hello and good afternoon. Welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. How are you? Are you well? It's all good, is it? Good, good, thank you. I've uh, got a very interesting guest for you to meet. Uh, this programme, extended interview with an interesting guy. You cannot reach out to me today. I'll tell you why in a minute. Things are a bit mad here. At BBG Towers. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, now richieallen.co.uk is currently down. It, it is currently down, but we expect it to be back up a little bit later on. Now, because the website is down, the web mail is down, and it means really that you won't be able to reach out to me for the foreseeable future. It means I won't be able to take comments from you until the website is back up and running. I apologise for that. A big shout out and thank you to Hayden Hewitt who's looking after it today. Now Hayden doesn't look after the website these days. He's too busy. So it's uh, more than decent of him uh, to look into it today and try and get it back up online. Alright? I hope I really hope you're listening through Uh, the many channels, this programme, you might keep a note of this in the off chance the website goes down again in the future. If you cannot listen at richieallen.co.uk, you can listen through the app. There is an app for the programme. Download it to your phone, the Richie Allen Show app, and listen at any time. Failing that, the programme is uh, downloadable. You can listen to it on, what is it called again? What is it called again? I can't remember. It, uh, tune in, that's right, tunein.com. Tunein.com, which hosts thousands and thousands of radio shows, streams at the Richie Allen Show Live. So apologies that you can't get on the website today. Hopefully it'll be up soon and then everything will be back to normal. All right, okay. My guest, I'm excited about my guest. I'm looking forward to you meeting him. Uh, we're going to call him Bill. It isn't his real name, okay? He's a very interesting character. He started out in his career importing beer, wines and spirits. He owned and operated restaurants in Ireland. At one time, he had a huge staff. He left it to do a law degree in his early 30s. He worked in the law for several years uh, in a pretty decent-sized firm, too, working in uh, conveyancing, litigation, corporate law, private trusts, intellectual property, all of that. So he's got all of that experience. He left the law believing it wasn't serving the people it was supposed to serve. Now, he had a pretty difficult time, did Bill, uh, during the COVID scam, the sham. He had a £4 million business, a business turning over four million quid, which was uh, taken by the bank after Bill and uh, his family had exhausted all of their savings trying to keep it alive Uh, during COVID. They eventually lost their home, which was sold below the market value. They're now living in rented accommodation. They know, Bill knows what it's like to feel neglected and screwed over, but there are remedies. 
And he's going to talk about that, this idea that we are powerless. I, the individual, what can I do? I'm only one person. Well, Bill says that he has brought to bear all of his legal skills, his legal experience, his experience in business, and says you can do something about it. There are things you can do. And um, so I suppose it's a solutions-based programme this today. Bill will join me in about a half an hour's time. You don't want to miss him. And it's kind of strange, and well, it's not strange because because it is genuinely a, an IT issue. But it's a, a bit of a shame that today of all days, we cannot, um, I cannot take your comments because the webmail is down. And when you send a message through the app, it comes to the webmail. But what you can do, if you'd like to comment, you can leave a tweet for me at BBG Richie. I am BBG Richie on Twitter. It's uh, R-I-C-H-I-E BBG Richie. You got me. You with me. You are okay. And again, apologies for the web thing. There's nothing I can do about it. So you've got to improvise, adapt and overcome. And that's what I'm doing. It's all kicking off in Melbourne in the Australian Open Tennis. <laughs> Fantastic. This made me laugh because we do live in an increasingly strange world where we are surrounded by, if not surrounded by, where we observe stupid people. This made me laugh. Anastasia Pavlut... Oh, Richie. I knew I should have practised saying this out loud 15 times. Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. Pavlyuchenkova is a tennis player from Russia. And um, she's been playing in Melbourne and has absolutely lost her, right? She's lost her temper because drunk Aussie fans were screaming at her and meowing at her during her match on a new court. Only the Australians could come up with this. So they've opened a new court at the Australian Open called the Party Court, right? Which, which has a two-story bar looking down on the court, a bar where fans can move freely around, meters from the players, and live music is playing in the bar while the tennis is going on. <laughs> Only in Australia. What a bunch of madmen the Aussies are. So they opened this new party court. It's a Grand Slam tennis event. It's a major big deal. And this poor Russian girl was playing tennis and is kicking off in the bar <laughs> next to the court. And pissed up fans began to meow at her as she became visibly distressed. It's a new party court. What a bunch of loonies. And that was over at court six. Novak Djokovic challenged a heckler to, quote, say that to my face during his second round match with Alexei Popirin at the same tournament, the Aussie Open. He started screaming at the heckler uh, during his game. Everybody's become very precious, haven't they? Everybody's become very precious. People can't take a bit of abuse. There's nothing wrong with a bit of verbal abuse. I mean, there isn't. In any walk of life, I mean, you encounter it, don't you? We are from a generation, I think you and me, where we would have expected to have the piss taken out of us growing up if we in any way kind of overstepped our mark or if we had ideas above our station. We would have the mickey taken out of us and we would have had to have thick skin and take it. Not so any Aluko. I'm sure you've heard of any Aluko today. She's a former women's professional footballer. Wedford, she's taking legal action against Joey Barton because of the social media posts Barton has, um, well, posted about any Aluko. Wedford, this woman said today, 
well, overnight she, she posted a video of this, this pundit, because she's been working as a pundit, that the abuse she has suffered as a result of the piss-taking from Joey Barton has not only made her frightened to leave her home, but now she's left the country. She has left the country. That is an escalation, that, isn't it? I mean, we've seen people whinge and whine and cry and get into a, you know, a bit of a state because people said hurty words or wrote hurty words on Twitter. This woman is saying, I've had to leave the country. <laughs> I don't know if you've been following this. So Joey Barton's a bit of an agent. I mean, most people would, would, would conclude, listening to Barton, reading his Twitter, that he's a bit of an agent. And it seems that he's trying to draw a lot of attention to himself because he's launched a new podcast. I imagine Barton would love a gig with either GB News or Talk TV. He's become a bit of a self-promoter, right? All of a sudden, Barton has thrown himself into the culture wars because there's money in it. And he's taken on ladies who used to play ladies professional football um, who now find themselves working in punditry on the men's game. So Barton has been trolling these women, saying they haven't a clue, they know nothing about men's football, and they shouldn't be working in the men's game. And bizarrely, he compared this woman, Eni Aluko, to Fred and Rose West. Right? Notorious serious killers. Okay? <clears throat> and uh, he also likened um, Aluko to Joseph Stalin and Paul Pot. Right? Despots. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, um, she's put a video out saying she's had to leave the country and that football or women working in football was in real danger of ending in tragedy. She's suggesting that Barton taking the piss out of her, comparing her to Fred West, might eventually lead to somebody attempting to take her life. This is nonsense. But anyway, she's left the country. And um, she's looking at legal remedies. She's looking at suing this guy for taking the piss out of her. Um, she has instructed her lawyers over defamatory abuse directed at her. And I leave this by saying defamatory Good luck proving that in court. You'd have to convince a jury that Barton, comparing her to Fred West, somehow tarnished her image and affected her standing in the community. Good luck proving that. As somebody who has had to learn inside out the uh, laws, you know, laws around libel and defamation, as I've had to do as a radio producer, you've got Snowball's chance in hell of winning a case against Joey Barton because he compared you to Fred West. Good luck convincing a jury, <laughs> or a judge even, that um, when my, my standing in the community has been damaged because, because people are stupid enough to believe that I'm a, you know, a serial killer like Fred West anyway. People like her are useless, and some of you will say that, Richie, this might be more sinister than the former footballer Joey Barton attempting to draw attention to his podcast. You might say it's more sinister than that. This might be about the online safety bill, Richie. This might be somehow strengthening the government's case for the online safety bill. Maybe. Anyway, look, enough of that. The news has gone mad this afternoon. The news broadcasters are very excited. Breathless. There's a guy who works for Sky News. His name is Kamali Melbourne. Great name, that. Kamali Melbourne, wonderful name, a great name. Good on you. It's not, you know, it's a good name. It's not Richie Allen, but it's a good name, right? <laughs> and he was breathless today. They were all breathless because the Princess of Wales has had a scheduled operation on her abdomen 
and she's going to spend a couple of weeks in hospital. And if that wasn't enough, the royals are falling apart. It is announced shortly after that that Charles himself, the jug-eared goon, Jimmy Savile's best mate, uh, currently the king of um, of of uh, of of Great Britain, not my king, not your king. Um, apparently, he will need to go to hospital to have surgery on an enlarged prostate. Presumably, a legacy from the days Louis Mountbatten used to bugger the living bejesus out of old jug ears. Possibly. I don't know. It could just be that some middle-aged and elderly men do have enlarged prostates, but it could be the buggery from Uncle Louis Mountbatten. Maybe the IRA did him a favour, maybe. And I don't care, to be honest. I wouldn't have said that yesterday, and I probably wouldn't say it tomorrow, but I said it today because I'm in the mood for it, to be honest. I've had a day to end all days. Zero fucks given by your broadcaster today. Not often had days like today, to be honest. I'm not going to get into it. So, um, yeah, anyway. I'll say what I like, and I like what I bloody well say. The Metropolitan Police has a war crimes unit. Did you know that? A war crimes unit. So you can go and report somebody for war crimes in London, if you like. You'd have to have some evidence, though, right? So you might see somebody, and you might think, Jesus, I remember seeing videos of that guy in, uh, I don't know, Rwanda, maybe, um, years and years ago. I know he's living in England. I think he may have committed war crimes. So you could pop along to the Metropolitan Police and say, listen, I think, blah, blah, blah. Now, yesterday the International Centre of Justice for Palestinians went to Scotland Yard and handed over hard drives and dossiers of evidence um, concerning war crimes committed by Israel against the Palestinians. Uh, Apparently, the Centre for Justice for Palestinians, or the International Centre of Justice for Palestinians, have accused 12 people in this country um, and, have, and they claim to have evidence um, of war crimes, including British politicians aiding and abetting war crimes. This is interesting. So they've popped along and they said, we believe we have evidence. Here are some hard drives and here are some dossiers which will prove that some people in the UK, in London, including British politicians, have aided and abetted war crimes in Gaza. The Met Police Commissioner is a guy called Mark Rowley. He spoke this morning, did Mark Rowley, to none other than LBC Radio. Have a listen to what he had to say about this. There's been a lot of sort of reporting on the war crimes issue over the last week or so, um, most of it mistaken. So our counter-terrorism resources that we've just been talking about, um, for every £100, £99.70 is spent dealing with terrorism and hostile state threats. 30 pence is spent on war crimes. That's so, so let's keep this in proportion. The main activity that they're doing, and there are some cases in advanced stages linking to, for example, the Rwandan genocide in the 1990s, is to make sure people involved in genocide who've ended up in this country don't have safe harbour here and are prosecuted. We have a legal duty to have a war crimes team in the UK because of the Treaty of Rome, which was signed by the UK government in the 1990s, I think. And that's what the, that's that's the proper function of this. And we, as part of that treaty, we have to link into the International Criminal Court. Anybody can come to us and make an allegation of crime. We won't investigate it if there's nothing credible in it. So um, just as um, you could make an allegation to the police tomorrow that, um, that there was complete, completely 
false, we would look at it and say there's nothing here that justifies investigation. So people coming to give us material doesn't mean there's going to be an investigation. We will look at it objectively. It says the police have been given names of 12 British citizens who've gone to Israel and joined the IDF. They could, of course, be dual nationals. Uh, exactly. So that's not a crime. So, so yeah. somebody's come and told us some stuff. That doesn't imply we're going to do a criminal investigation. Rowley went out of his way there to say, listen, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Just because somebody makes a claim against somebody, it doesn't mean we're going to do an investigation. It doesn't mean, don't worry about it, we won't do an investigation. And I would, I would argue, not that, not that I know the law here. I do not know the law. But if somebody is a dual national, okay, they have British citizenship and Israeli citizenship, it is bollocks by Rowley uh, to, to, to say that, you know, that might somehow exempt them from investigation. If they went to join the IDF and they were party to or they contributed to war crimes in Gaza, well, they would have a case to answer, wouldn't they? Mark Rowley speaking to LBC Radio this morning. And didn't, there wasn't the hospital blown up today uh, run by the Jordanians in Gaza. They're still blowing up hospitals, the Israelis, but nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about it. Um, just more women and children murdered today by the IDF. Um, bada boom, bada bing, you know. 17 minutes past the hour it is, or just about is. Um, the Royal Academy of Arts in London has taken an unprecedented step, according to the, the Guardian, of uh, putting a trigger warning for its forthcoming exhibition which is entitled Entangled Pasts, 1768 to Now, Art, Colonial, Colonialism, I can never say that, and Change. Entangled Pasts, 1768 to Now, Art, Colonialism and Change. So you might expect, you might, <laughs> you might expect if you go to see that, that you might see, you know, you might see material, you might be browsing, you might be viewing material because of colonialism as it might, um, you know, deal with slavery and oppression. But they've put a trigger warning on the exhibition, which reads, uh, Warning, uh, the exhibition will contain themes of slavery and racism and historical racial language and imagery. Why is that relevant to us? Well, it's happening all the time. And just before Christmas, we talked on the Papers podcast, didn't we, about a warning issued for a play um, about one of Britain's most notorious pissheads with audiences being cautioned that, um, warning, this play contains references to alcohol. This is the production of Geoffrey Bernard is Unwell, which, by the way, is staged inside a London pub where Geoffrey Bernard, right, the writer, was often seen propping up the bar. So it's at the Coach and Horses in Soho. So it's about Geoffrey Bernard... It's in a pub where, it's, it's staged in a pub, in a real pub, the play where he used to get pissed out of his brains. And he would regale people at the bar with stories. This raconteur, right? And they warned people going in, they warned them. This contains references to alcohol. Warning, trigger warning. Okay, now. Anyway, RTE is reporting this afternoon, the Irish broadcaster, that the World Health Organization is claiming... COVID vaccines saved at least 1.4 million lives in Europe. At least 1.4 million lives have been saved in Europe thanks to COVID vaccines, according to the WHO, which went on to say, Tetris Gebra Jesus, that's the guy's name, that the virus is here to stay. 
There's a WHO European region which covers 53 countries, including those of Central Asia, has registered more than 277.7 million cases of COVID and more than 2.2 million deaths, according to the most recent data, which was published on December 19th, 2023. Yes, they go on to say, today there are 1.4 million people in our region, most of them elderly, who are around to enjoy life with their loved ones because they took the vital decision to be vaccinated. That's according to Hans Kluge, Hans Kluge, the regional director of WHO Europe. He says the old, the elderly are around to enjoy life because they took the vital decision to be vaccinated against COVID. If I was in the press corps, because he told this to reporters, if I was a reporter in the press corps, I might say, excuse me, Mr. Kluge, do you know how many elderly are not around to enjoy life with their loved ones because they took the crazy decision to be vaccinated against COVID? But not a single reporter asked him that. What about excess death numbers, hands around Europe? Any idea as to why we are losing far more people than we would expect to right about now? But nobody asked him that. So Dr. Kluge went on to say it's essential for people to go and get a COVID jab and a flu jab as recommended by us as soon as you can. Feck off hands. You crazy mad bastard. How many people are dead because they took the vital decision to go and get vaccinated? Um, oh, it's popping up again, the Jordanian army. Yeah, Jordanian army blaming Israel for a flagrant breach of international law for shelling a hospital run by the Jordanian army, a field hospital, which has been seeing patients because Israel blew up all the other hospitals in Gaza. And now the Jordanian hospital has been blown up. But nobody gives a shit. We'll just leave that one there. Uh, there'll be a vote later on in the House of Commons on the Rwanda bill. Are you sick of hearing about this? Are you desperately tired of hearing about this crap? This plan by the British government to take asylum seekers off the dinghies and put them on a plane and send them to Paul Kagame's Rwanda. It's bullshit. It's madness. Anyway, and at the same time, they're, they're accepting applications for asylum from Rwandan people. <laughs> Rwanda is safe. And yes, we have processed some asylum seeker applications, asylum seeking applications from Rwanda. How is it safe then? Stop asking questions. Shut up. That's what they tell you. Anyway, what's hilarious is, you might remember about 18 months ago, right, they were just about to start flying people to Rwanda. Or at least that's what they claim. About 5,000 people. So they listed 5,000 people about 18 months ago and they said these people are going to be flown to Rwanda. And then the European Court of Human Rights got involved and said, no, you're not. So they got off all these planes and they didn't go. And? And? 80% of these people are missing now. 80% of them are missing. They're in the UK somewhere, but nobody has any idea where they are. It, it reminds me of Bricktop in the film Snatch when he was told by Jason Statham, that they'd lost gorgeous George. Well, it's not like he's a set of car keys now, is it? Exactly. It's not like they're a set of car keys. It's 80% of 5,000 is 4,000, right? Am I right in saying that? My mathematics was never up to muster. Anyway, Prime Minister's questions, House of Commons, this afternoon, Keir Starmer, who's like a pig in shit, he's so happy, because he knows, barring a nuclear war... And you never know. He's going to be the next Prime Minister. Doesn't matter. All he's got to do 
is basically go through the motions. And, funnily enough, he could be Prime Minister sooner rather than later, because if this bill uh, fails to pass the House of Commons this evening, it could be all she wrote for, for Sunak, although I don't think that's likely. I think it'll probably scrape through, because the rebel Tories, who don't think the bill goes far enough to kick out the asylum seekers, the rebel Tories will probably abstain meaning they won't vote alongside Labour and the Lib Dems, meaning that Sunak might get the bill through. But back to the missing migrants, 4,000 of them. Keir Starmer couldn't resist today at Prime Minister's questions. Here he is addressing the Speaker, because you must address your questions through the Speaker about the missing migrants. Mr Speaker, the government has been forced to admit that it has lost contact with 85% of the 5,000 people earmarked for removal to Rwanda. Has he found them yet? Yes. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, what I can tell the Honourable Gentleman is that in spite of him blocking every, in spite of him blocking every single attempt that we have taken, we have managed now... So, so he goes on to talk about all of the things they're doing, but he doesn't answer the question. And of course, we know that politicians, the men and women who work in politics, they do not control, they are not in charge of anything. They do not run anything. They are front men for another group of people, um, a group of people which are insulated by civil servants and by think tanks. So the politicians are at the bottom of the trough, right? They're basically pigs. That's what they are. But they're the pigs at the very end of the trough, politicians. But, uh, you know, you, you dream of, I said, but maybe you don't dream of it, but a, a paradigm where politicians really are running things and they're actually working on behalf of the people. To be, it would be great to get honest answers, wouldn't it? Um, does he have any, any idea where they are, Sestarmer? Wouldn't it be great if Sunak stood up and looked at the speaker and said, having a fucking clue, and just sat down? Uh, and and speaker would have to say, Keir Starmer, Mr. Speaker, did he just say that he hasn't a clue? Up gets Sunak again. I haven't a Scooby-Doo. Haven't the foggiest fucking idea where they are and I don't care. Happy days. 26 minutes past the hour. Um, we won't play that other clip. We won't. You know, over the years, um, I've interviewed people on this show. I used to do a radio show in Spain. I used to do a TV show going back years. And men and women used to come on to talk about the European Union and how the European Union came into being something I know a lot about myself because I've studied it and studied it and studied it. The European Union was an idea that came out of the failure of the biggest petrochemical companies in the world to control Europe using the Nazis. It sounds very far-fetched, but it isn't. It's true. It's been proven beyond, a, beyond any doubt, right? You might remember pre-Brexit, I did hours on this with some of the most learned scholars and authors. So the, the wealthiest industrialists in the world, they liked Hitler, even though he was a madman, right? And his, you know, his Third Reich was filled to the brim with lunatics, right? So they loved him because they wanted him to win, to, to conquer Europe, so that they could then divvy up the spoils. This is all true, right? And out of that failure, because the Nazis failed ultimately in the end, came the idea for the European Union. You know, corporations realised, and industrialists and petrochemical companies, and bigger fish than those people, they realised that it's very difficult if you have to do business with 27 individual sovereign governments. You know, if we want to get our products, if we want to take over, 
what we need is we need every country to form a union in Europe and then, you know, a central core, a central government. And, and if, then we'll only have to do business with that. It, we, we, you know, Brussels, we'll do business with Brussels and Brussels will decree what the 27, 28, 26, whatever it is now, countries have to do. Now, that sounds very, very basic, what I've just said, but it is true, 100% true. And men and women used to come on this programme and say, Richie, one of the things they want most desperately to achieve is they want a European army. Um, yes, and speaking to Times Radio, actually speaking about the possibility of Donald Trump becoming the next President of the United States, a Hungarian member of the European Parliament, a woman called Kat Kat Che, her name is Kat Kat Che, that's a great name, um, she talked about the need for a European army. This is why I believe that uh, we need to urgently undergo serious reforms in European decision making yes, so yes. that we can abolish the veto, that we can have a real European army, that we are a we will be able to disburse uh, money to uh, help our defensive goals also uh, in Ukraine, for instance. So we have to stand our own ground. We have to be able to defend ourselves uh, with or without Trump. With or without Trump, we need to be able to defend ourselves. So we need a standing European army. As the time right now is 28 and a half minutes past the hour. You're listening to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Sadly for me, and it is sad for me, I cannot read out your comments and you can't even post them. You can post them through the app, but they won't reach me because comments coming through the app go to the webmail uh, for the programme and that is down because my website is down. Uh, I'm very grateful that Hayden Hewitt, who hasn't been working on or minding our website for some time because he's got his own fish to fry. He's a busy man with films and one thing and another, but he's jumped in today to his credit to try and figure out what's going on. He said it's a DNS thing and it might be back up later on. And if it isn't, it'll certainly be back up tomorrow. It's a pain in the arse because um, of all the days for it to happen, I'll be speaking with Bill in a moment, not his real name. Uh, I gave you a brief biography of Bill earlier on. I'll do it again in a minute before we introduce him. But fascinating. A man who has worked in the corporate world, run businesses, um, got a law degree, worked for a medium-sized firm. And he did that working in litigation, internet, excuse me, intellectual property, corporate, private trust. He did it all, left the law because it wasn't serving the people. He had a difficult time during lockdowns, lost a business, lost a home, began to think about what can be done about this. Are there legal remedies around taxation, around BBC licence fees, around council tax, around income tax? And uh, Bill, as I said, not his real name, believes there is. I've vetted him. I know who he is. Uh, so he is the genuine article. We'll speak with him in a few moments. It's half past the hour now, so it's time for a tune. Here's R.E.M. And this is What's the Frequency, Kenneth. Your Richie Allen Show, live from Salford with me, the BBG, then. What's the Frequency, Kenneth? The show, Music from R.E.M. That's What's the Frequency, Kenneth, on the Richie Allen Show. Uh, time coming up for 27 minutes now to the top of the air. Just before we welcome Bill to the programme, a couple of other quick headlines which caught my eye. The Pope has been pronouncing, he's been opining on sexual pleasure and pornography, bizarrely, 
in a religious instruction directed at attendees of his general audience held at the Vatican this week. Um, Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography, said the Pope speaking about the voice of lust. We have some Catholic listeners. That's relevant to them. And uh, there was something else, was there? Uh, The Telegraph. No, we'll leave that there. Let's introduce my guest then today. Uh, And before I do, let me give you um, kind of a brief biography of of him. So we're calling him Bill today, not his real name. he, He began his career importing beer, wines and spirits. He owned later and operated restaurants in Ireland, managing a very large staff at one point. Now, he did a law degree in his early 30s, which is interesting to me because I have a friend uh, who left um, the, the uh, not retail, he left property, he left the property business, my friend Andy, to study law in his 30s. Anyway, Bill did his law degree in his early 30s and went to work in a medium-sized law firm in all branches of law, worked in conveyancing, litigation, corporate law, private trusts, as I said, and intellectual property, but left it because he felt it really wasn't doing the job it was supposed to do. It wasn't working for people. Now, during the last three years, he had a pretty bad time of it, particularly early on. Uh, The sham of the lockdowns um, um, basically caused um, huge problems for him and his business. He had a £4 million business, uh, uh, turnover of £4 million, which was taken by the bank. Uh, He had exhausted his savings, trying to keep it afloat. Paying living expenses was difficult and was eventually evicted from his home uh, with his family. Um, he's now living in rented accommodation and he is rebuilding. He knows, he's, he told me, what it feels like to be neglected and screwed over. But he's taking an action against the bank and has secured uh, the funds to buy back the business. That's interesting and that's good news for him. And we'll talk uh, loosely about the action he's taking against the bank. And that's one of the reasons that he is using uh, the name Bill today and not his real name. And he asks the question about people. Well, he's, he's addressing this idea where, whereby people think, I'm, I'm an individual, I, I can't do anything about this kind of thing, what can I do? You know, um, th- there aren't really any remedies, there are no legal ways around this, but he believes there are. Let's welcome Bill to the programme. Hi Bill, welcome and thanks for getting in touch. Hello there, hello there, how are you? I'm good Bill, it's nice to have you on, thanks for coming on. Now you wanted to come on, you reached out to me, I'm glad you did, Why? What was the catalyst? I think it was a call, was it? I think somebody phoned in and they were talking about that that feeling of helplessness, of not being able to do anything. Was that the motivation for getting in touch with us? Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, it was. I think it was February last year. I mean, I, I sent you the notes and the detail. I've not, not got it to hand in front of me because... Um, you, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of thought you might actually do a kind of preamble, but I realised you don't have any producers or anything like that. So uh, I thought, you know, you might say, "Here's how we're going to do it," and all this, but you've just phoned me up straight out the blue and straight into it, which is fine, absolutely fine. But um, yeah, it was a call that uh, you. That I was listening. It was February last year, February 2023. I was listening, and you had callers on. And they, it was a couple of women, in fact, and they were mentioning that, uh, you know, life's been tough. And one of them had actually gone, uh, I think she'd gone bankrupt. Um, yeah, she'd gone bankrupt. 
And another one, um, it was Sarah from Fairham who was in debt and her family were grown up and she had kids living at home and things were getting worse. And she, you know, she said she was concerned about kids' future. But the, 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 the one I remember was Zoe from Reading. Cost of living crisis was affecting her. She was on universal credit. Um, she was a makeup artist. She's lost a lot of money on products. She's lost her best friend to debt issues. She was a single mum. Um, you know, it was just awful. It was, I've got the, I've got it here now. Wednesday, the 22nd of February, 2023 was that episode. And that's when I started to think, um, this is getting a bit out of hand here. And at the same time in the press, the uh, utility companies, especially British Gas, were breaking into people's houses and replacing their meters with smart meters. And that got me to looking at all of this. And then uh, the, the sort of final uh, trigger to that was I received a phone call from um, a woman in Edinburgh, Maria, who will be listening in, I'm sure. Um, Maria is the one who actually told me about your show three, three or four years ago. She said, you ought to listen to this. And Maria called me in February last year to say that uh, she'd been, she was being pressed by debt collectors and the amount of money she was to pay for a utility bill had gone up, I mean, exponentially up. They wanted to, I can't remember the figures exactly, but she was paying 40 quid a month and it had gone up to something like 140 quid a month. And I just started looking into that and thought, this is a bit odd. And then there was, I received a phone call out of the blue from a debt collector who was at our business claiming that we hadn't paid the bill and that he was there to cut off the electricity. Now, I knew we had paid the bill, so uh, I confirmed that with him eventually back and forward. He was a nice enough guy. He was the electricity companies, the utility companies' main man in the country. So he was the, the head debt collector. And I got to chat to him and got to know him really well. So I started running a few things past him and said, well, what about this and what about that? And he was very helpful. And I then started to put some of these things into practice, into action. And lo and behold, they worked for people. So that led me to looking at um, all sorts of other things. Well, well if, that, if that works, what else can work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it kind of opened the Pandora's box, if you like, uh, to what could actually be done. And that there was a remedy there for people. And as long as people know what it is and how to apply it, more importantly, know the law, apply the law, and and you can you can sleep at night. So and, no, knowing the law, so this is this is the reason um, you're on effectively, right? Yeah. Um, because what 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 screamed at me when you sent me the notes you sent me was um, that that you believe that the law actually is there. The law is in place to protect people. And that often or more often than not, um, companies, whether it be utility companies or, or other companies, are kind of riding kind of roughshod over laws, uh, taking the chance, not taking the chance, but working on the probability that people really don't have a clue and that people are nervous and they're scared and they scare easily. So that when you start putting the screws to people, you know, they panic and they either pay up or they agree to... Uh, payment terms that are maybe not favourable. That's what I'm fascinated by because it's come up once or twice over the years on this programme, but not for a long time. Like our 
there are things that people can do when bailiffs and debt collectors come knocking. I mean, we're going to talk about income tax. We're going to talk about uh, council tax as well. Something that you are convinced of. And again, it's important to remind our listeners, you have a law degree and you've practiced law. You're convinced that these are things that if people can't pay or don't want to pay, that they can legally avoid doing. And I want to get into all of that, Bill, because I find it fascinating. Not least because, ironically, I myself received a letter from a collection agency only last week um, alleging that I didn't pay a parking fine in the Lake District in 2022, funnily enough, in the spring of 2022. <laughs> now, none, of this, yeah. none of this worries me. Obviously, I will ignore it. And if they're yeah. foolish enough to turn up at BBG Terrors, they'll be politely told where to go. And if they don't, yeah. they'll be introduced to a massive German Shepherd. And I don't say that to be tough. I mean that. You know, I, 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 I can, can do that. But a lot of people don't, and they don't understand what they can and what they can't do. So before we get yeah. into that, before we get into income tax, which is criminal, and I know you're going to argue it isn't, but which most people would imagine is a criminal infraction of the law, let's talk about utilities, because everybody is up to their absolute neck in in debt, particularly now we're halfway through uh, a pretty cold winter. Um, nothing to do with climate change, it just happens to be pretty cold. And the bills are they're astronomical. I, I think our most recent gas and electric bill was some, somewhere around £375. Now, can you imagine? That's uh, a couple and two dogs where most of the rooms in the property are not heated because they're not used. We only heat the rooms we use and most of the time we don't heat them at all. So a lot of people are in this situation where, as you said, a utility company will say, tell you what, you haven't paid, so we are going to come into your home and we're going to replace your meter with a prepayment meter. I want to talk about that and what you know about that. Because traditionally, if you didn't pay your gas and electric, you'd be caught off and they could do this from outside the property. Um, Mm. Can that still happen? So, Mrs. Murphy, let's invent Mrs. Murphy. Um, Not to be misogynistic, but Mrs. Murphy, got a couple of kids, stay at home, maybe she's on her own, gets a £375 bill, cannot pay it, and doesn't. Can't even pay half of it. Um, is do the utility companies have the right to cut her off? Well, let me just say a couple of things that the, you need to suspend your belief in how the system works. Um, if I was to say to you that actually it's already been paid for, your gas and electricity has already been paid for, and the utility companies are nothing more than accountants, they don't actually supply anything. What they do is they record and then they administer the system. So let's put that to one side for a second. No, no, this is and really interesting. Stay with that. You've, you've, you've gripped me well, there. Well, uh, the, reason, no, the reason I'm going to say, I'm, I'm asking you to set to one side is because there, there's, whenever I've confronted, not confronted, whenever I've um, spoken to people about this, I've had various different reactions. And I've spoken to a lot of people. Okay? So Maria in Edinburgh was the first. And her uh, overwhelming feeling when we discussed this and when I offered her some remedies was one of absolute relief. She was no longer afraid of anyone coming to the door. She was no longer afraid. She could understand how the system worked. And she was actually hoping. And I know what she feels like because I got to that point where you actually want the debt collectors to turn up at the door because it can be such fun. Because what tends to happen is there are 
um, lawyers at the top and there are people at the top and then it all filters down and then you get a man in a van who has to turn up at the door and who's got to try and you know enforce something and when you confront him with actually well this is the law and i know you mentioned you've got your you know your your dogs and things like that but i would say to anybody out there there is absolutely no need for violence or threats or anything you can be very calm and all you have to do is quote the law. And when you do it, and I've done it several times, and believe me, it's such fun when you see the reaction on their faces, especially if you're recording it, and how they have to just simply melt away. That's the fun part of it. So you recommend so, you recommend when they turn up that the person on the receiving end takes out the smartphone and begins recording the encounter. Do you recommend that? Yeah, I do. And if you can actually go to go to eBay and, and or, 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 or go to Amazon and buy yourself one of those cameras that you can wear around your neck. If anyone's been to Tesco recently, you'll see they're all wearing them. Body worn cameras. They are They're about 60 quid. Uh, I think the smart, uh, not the smart card, the, 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 the memory card that goes in them is more expensive than the camera itself. But you can do that. You can wear one of those and record it. And it is such a load of fun when you when you when you know what you're talking about and you have the confidence to face up to them. So, so what's the um, law then? So so guy turns up and stays. There's been yeah. um, so a magistrate has issued an order against you, a county court well, judgment. You well, owe this amount of money. Quite often, it's not got to that stage. Don't let it get to that stage. Would be my my. I think, well, I'm not giving advice. Let's be clear. I'm not giving legal advice. My experience is don't let it get to that stage. What you need to do is always with these things, whether it's a parking ticket, whether it's a utility bill, whether it's anything else is you send what's called a letter of uh, a, a notice of conditional acceptance. So yes, thank you very much for your parking ticket, dear councillor. I will accept it provided you can you know, do the following, show me where the law is, et cetera. Now, a lot of people will be listening to this and, and when I listen to you, Richie, and I drive around, I, I, I have to you know, get my pen out and start writing things down and all this, but people that are listening to this, if you want, I will give an email address at the end. You can send me an email and I will send you a, 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 a fact sheet, if you like, with all of this on it. So you don't need to be writing it down. You don't need to be trying to remember e uh, sorry, websites or anything like that or laws. I've got it all uh, ready just to send out, uh, you know, as a, as a gift. That is to, hugely, to hugely helpful, Bill. That's hugely yeah, helpful. Yeah. I like that. Good stuff. So, yeah, so don't panic and be scribbling right. down notes. We'll... No, 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 no. If you're, good. especially if you're driving and, and, and uh, or, or if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, right, this is good stuff. I really want to get to know it. All you need to do is remember a very simple email address that I'll give out at the end. And then with that simple email address, you email and you will be sent a PDF fact sheet. Now, I know some people can't open PDFs, um, but it's the simplest way to do it. There's not a website. Uh, depending on how things go, and, and a number of people are starting to contact me, um, you know, generally uh, through word of mouth, I, I may have to put together a, a sort of simple website with all of this on it. But the information is already out there. There are a variety of places where you can get this information from. And it is only a question of you being um, bringing yourself up to date and in line with these things. So you send a so letter of conditional acceptance. So local authority says yeah. you, you drove in a bus lane or you parked yeah. where you shouldn't have parked. So uh, we were fining you 75 quid. And if you pay it mm. within the next two weeks, we'll reduce it by half to whatever, 37 quid, whatever. So you send yeah. a letter of conditional acceptance saying, OK, I accept the ticket, but I demand from you. So what are you demanding from the council? 
well, again, I've got templates. I've got all of these things that, that quote the law. And essentially, I mean, I'll give you a, a recent example. For example, uh, a recent example. I was um, picked up by my wife at an airport and there were, there were traffic jams and all sorts of things. And she said to me, look, I can't get into the airport. There's traffic jams. I'll pull into the such and such hotel car park. I'll wait there and you walk down a couple of hundred yards, whatever it was. So I did that. I walked down and climbed into the car and we drove away. A couple of weeks later, she gets a letter from a parking company saying you went into the car park and you didn't pay. You know, I mean, for those of you that are familiar with Blackadder, you know, you're the Flanders pigeon murderer. The right. way they word these things is always that you're, you know, you, you, you've broken this law, that law, the next law and all the rest of it. And they said, so you owe us you know, 50 quid or whatever it is. And if you don't pay, it's going to cost this, that, the next thing. And then we will take you to court and then we will get a county court judgment and then we'll do this and then we'll do that and all that stuff. So uh, my wife got this and she said, oh, God, I've got this. And I said, right, let, let me deal with it. So all of the stuff I'm going to tell you here, I've done myself. Okay, Everything I am going to tell you or, or uh, mention or give examples of, I have done it myself. So I, I sent back the, the car. I said, thanks very much for, you know, for this and all the rest of it. Um, can you please tell me what, what, you know, what the laws have been breached, et cetera, et cetera. So they then came back and said, well, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. There were notices here, there and everywhere, et cetera. Now, when you go into these car parks, there are notices at the entrance and there are notices around. But when they sent me a photograph of the car, there were no notices within the photograph that they sent. So I said to them, right, OK, I've driven in. You're claiming that I should have read the notice, which is in very small print on the way into the car park. So tell me, am I to be done for failing to take due care and attention by looking where I'm going or should I be reading your notice? So which which is it? And eventually, after a series of backwards and forwards, I got the you know, the standard. They never admit to anything. But the standard reply was on this occasion, we have decided to cancel the ticket. Really? OK. Yeah. And that's that is all you'll get. You're never going to get any kind of I mean, I, I know that it's been across the, the, the media in the last few weeks. But Mr. Bates versus the post office has been utterly brilliant in the sense that people can get an idea of what actually goes on. This is what actually goes on within large institutions, within banks, within councils, within the government. That's what goes on. And it's and, and now there's a spotlight being shed upon it and it's being exposed. And it's wonderful because you see how things happen. And in my circumstances, which I'm sure we'll get to later, um, a lot of people, you know, say to me, well, you should have done this. You should have done that. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And you're like, well, yes, I tried all of these things. But as you can see from how they behave, they actually don't care about you as an individual. The only, the only thing that matters is the bottom line. That's it. How much money can they take? So to go back to your example of the, the parking ticket or the PCN, as they're called, the parking notice, um, they will send out hundreds. In fact, I, I think I sent you statistics on that. I don't have them in front of me, but I did send you statistics on the amount of parking tickets. But it's hundreds of thousands. And they expect that most people will will simply go, well, it's only 30 quid. I'll, I'll just pay it. And they pay the 30 quid. And if you don't pay it, um, you know, you don't pay the 30 quid, it, it, it doubles to 60 quid. And then more people will pay it. But what we've got in society, and it's a, it, it's a wonderful uh, sort of circumstance where 
you get 80% um, of people will probably comply and 20% of people will put their hands up and go, hang on a second, this is not quite right. And they know that. They know that 80% of people will pay. They so, absolutely so it's like pay. it's like going fishing effectively um, yeah. in, 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 in one of the better stocked lakes in the world because you yeah. have 80% of the fish in the lake are likely to bite. To, to take a bite and say, okay, I'll pay it. And I don't have that figure. I do have um, abbreviated notes here, um, an abbreviation or an abbreviated um, copy of the I, notes you it. sent me. I have it. I have it. It's I billions, it. isn't it? It's billions. It, it, in 2022, 8.6 million tickets were issued. That's 165,000 tickets a week, 27,000 a day, excluding Sundays, okay? Or 3,500 every hour. Now, uh, that, that means that £258 million is paid immediately, £154 million is paid late, and £193 million is being chased through the courts. And they write off £12.9 million. Now, the tickets cost a pound to print and to serve. So the £29, the £59, or the £149 profit they make from it is well worth it. Now, if everybody, you know, tomorrow decided not to comply and they said, well, actually, do you know what? We're not going to pay these anymore. They would have serious cash flow problems. Well, it's funny you say that because so, councils across the country are claiming bankruptcy. Most famously, Birmingham City Council are saying we don't have enough money to function to, um, you know, to keep the local authority uh, running, to yeah. keep it moving forward. Yeah. Isn't that incredible mm, yeah. when, when you look at those numbers? And that's just parking. There are many other ways that, um, I mean, council tax is another, but we're going to come to that. Where... Well, let me, can I just briefly say, you mentioned there about Birmingham Council. Yeah. Um, Birmingham Council make a lot of money from bin collection. You won't know this, and, and, and I didn't know it. And I have to say, uh, when I started looking at all of this, I had many jaw-dropping moments. And, you know, having been in the law, I like what's called corroboration. You want somebody to confirm and corroborate what it is that you've found. And I know lots of lawyers, so I would send them stuff and say, well, what do you think of this? Can you, what do you think of that? And they would come back and go, actually, do you know what? You're right. This, <laughs> you know, this is right. And, and the most overwhelming response I had was, I cannot believe I have been a lawyer for all these years and I've only just found this out. Right. That was, that was the most, you know, the most, um, the, the highest amount of responses. But how do you explain that? How do you how do you explain? Well, is, is it because you're not taught this? I mean, you you've oh, no. you've got no a no no of... you're not taught it at all. Absolutely not taught it at all. It's a bit like the banking system when you go into that and you find out how it actually works. No, you're absolutely not taught it. Even people that are in banking don't understand how banking works. But to go back to Birmingham Council just for a brief second, just to sort of let you know, um, they outsource their bin collection. And their bins uh, are collected by a company that uses the bins to generate electricity by putting them in furnaces and then paying back the council. And the company, whose name I don't have to, to hand, but I'm, I'm sure I'll find it in, in a brief second, makes hundreds of millions from that. Hang on a second. So, um, incinerating the unrecyclable waste, you're saying? Is that ah, what they well, do? Well, no. Well, now, here's another thing that, that uh, will, will make people's jaws drop. Um, quite a lot, and I'm not going to say all, but quite a lot of, you know, I mean, I'm like everyone else. We, we, we have the, the recycling bins and we separate the bottles from the tins and from the paper and all this kind of carry on. 
And in many, many instances, it all ends up in the same place. It just gets incinerated. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily yeah. get recycled. That's right. That, that's, that's the shocking thing. It gets incinerated and it generates electricity. And when they generate that electricity, guess what they do then? They sell it back into the grid and make a massive profit. So Birmingham Council throwing their hands in the air and saying, oh, my God, We're broke. putting the back of their hand against their forehead and saying, oh, we don't yeah. have any money. You know, most of these things is political pandering of the of the unbelievable highest order. I mean, when you actually see what goes on, and I've been in circumstances where I've been in the, the back room, the side room, the green room, or whatever you want to call it, with people. And a lot of it is just, it's facade. It really is. It's, it's a facade most of the time, which is one of the reasons why I'm saying to people, look, there, there's remedies out there. Now, not everyone is going to take them. Not everyone is going to want to do this because I get it. People are afraid and people are scared, especially of their credit score, which is nothing more than a sort of social score. You know, in China, they've got the social score. In this country, we have the credit score. And I've spoken to people and said, look, you should, you know, you know, you should consider this or you should consider that. And the first thing they say is, will it affect my credit score? As if that's the be all and end all. That's a very that's good point. Exactly very good. But that's exactly, yeah. though, Richie, where 300 years very of good point, yeah. programming has got us. That's, this is important because when, I mean, I, I, I had a CCJ against me um, some years ago. Um, I, I could never understand it. It was alleged that there was an unpaid electricity bill at a property we used to pay in Fallowfield. And I couldn't understand it because when we finished up in Fallowfield, we took the readings, as you do when you leave a house, you give the readings. Yeah. And then you get the final bill. And then you tell them, listen, don't send me any more bills because I don't live there. And they said, oh, you, you know, there was X amount of money owing. And I, I disputed. And I said, there, there wasn't. So but, but without me knowing, they went to... Um, to um, court and they said oh a judgment has been issued against you at the time and now you should pay it because if you don't it could affect your credit core score and then they said to me if you pay it quickly you know we will tell uh, the credit score companies we will tell Experian and then your credit score won't be affected but of course I don't yeah. give a rat's arse about my credit score I couldn't give a damn about it um, so I said to the electricity company listen you've made a mistake I couldn't give a shit about the credit score um, don't waste your time sending a collection agency around because they won't be paid. And that was yeah. that. And I think it did drop the credit score by 40 or 60 points or something, but I didn't give a damn. But that's right. That's a good point. They, 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 they tell people, you owe us money. And if you don't pay us, it could affect your credit score, which will impact on you getting credit, maybe that's getting it. a loan if you need. And people crap themselves because they think, that's well, exactly if I lose right. my job, I, I might need that's a credit exactly card. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, I remember, um, I think it was 2012, I was at an investment uh, conference in London, and I remember speaking to a very high net worth individual. He was, you know, the guy was worth millions. And he said to me that he had been, uh, he had a credit card, and the credit card limit was £50,000. He never used it, never used this credit card, but he received a letter from the bank to say they were reducing his limit from 50000 to 10000 and he took this as a personal insult. And somebody mentioned to him about his credit score. And he said, well, he didn't even have, a, he didn't even know what a credit score was. He had no idea because he'd never borrowed any money. He'd never done anything. But he took it as a personal insult that they saw to reduce his credit card uh, limit from 50 grand to right. 10. Um, and and uh, he never even used the card. Uh, but it was just one of those things where it just shows you how people can kind of think, well, what is this? And when I've spoken to, to, 
people, especially in the last few years, and mention these things to them. That's the first thing that comes up. Well, my credit score. Well, I'm in a situation where my credit score went from 954 or whatever it is to about 12, which is virtually my shoe size uh, in a matter of weeks. It just absolutely plummeted. Yeah. And it hasn't made a hoot of a difference to my life, really. Do you know why? Because I don't actually give a shit about the credit score. And when you get to that point where you actually don't give a shit about your credit score, your outlook on life does tend to change. And 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 these threats that they make, um, you know, they fall on stony ground. There's just, there's just no point. And do you think do, do you think, Bill, that the credit score that we've become accustomed to in the last couple of decades or three decades, do you think that ultimately it is a forerunner of a chillingly dystopian social credit score? Is, is the credit score we think of, you know, the financial credit score, is that really something to get us used to the idea that we will be scored based on what we do and that ultimately that becomes a score on what you say and what you think, you know, what you're not doing to protect the environment, maybe what you're saying on social media. Is that is that a reality, do you think? Well, if it's not, it's incredibly handy. Yeah. And it has incredible power over people. But you've got to bear in mind, it, you know, if you're looking at this or you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, my credit score is important to me, it is not your fault. You have been programmed by 300 years of banking activity and, you know, all you've got to do is turn the television on and you will see at this time of year, you know, sofas and, uh, you know, you can get a sofa. It's, it's a thousand pounds, but you can get it on credit, blah, blah, blah. Terms and conditions apply. You know, you, you've got to be eligible. You know, are you eligible? And everybody wants to be eligible. Everybody wants to get, you know, the, the rope lifted and get access to the club. And this is the way they use it. But, but I know many, many people who, who, who don't actually care about credit scores because they're very wealthy. And if they're very wealthy, they don't actually care. About you don't, the credit you won't score. need credit, no, yeah, that's it, right. It has no meaning, but it does have meaning for many, many millions of people in the country. And it's the same with businesses. You've got the likes of Moody's who give, you know, they give, they give credit ratings, you know, is the UK AAA rated or is it this or is it that? And there are various other different credit rating agencies. But during the 2008 crash, when the banking thing happened, um, those credit rating agencies, why, you know, they were, they were asked, well, why did you give a AAA rating to this particular company? And it was saddled with, uh, you know, mortgage debt that was, uh, you know, well below standard. Why did you give them that credit rating? And you know what their answer was? Their answer was, well, if we didn't give them a decent credit rating, the other rate rating agency would give them a credit rating. That's you amazing. know, it, it, it beggars belief. But they were doing it because they wanted to curry favor with certain banks and that's how they get paid if they give them a good rating but it actually meant nothing it was it was toilet paper it was utterly useless and it's a bit like um i'm trying to think of an analogy there off the top of my head but it's a bit like again in back in 1990 i remember um, some hotel companies that had a a credit rating and they had a valuation thistle hotels being one but if anyone's interested you can look up thistle hotels but Thistle Hotels had a, had a valuation of 900 million or whatever it was, and they had borrowings from the banks and various others. And then at the stroke of a pen, they suddenly said, well, it's no longer worth 900 million, it's only worth 600 million. And the banks at the time said, well, we have a loan to value ratio with you of 
and you've now breached it. And Thistle Hotels, virtually overnight, by uh, you know a, a, a stroke of a pen, were suddenly in, you know nearly insolvent, and they ended up having to sell off lots of properties and all the rest of it, all of which they, you know went back up in value a few few years later. But that, that the credit rating, the ratings agencies, valuations. They are all an attempt to manipulate, dominate, and control. And guess what? It works really well. It does work, because doesn't most it? People, yeah, because most people accept it and say, well, that's the way it is. Until suddenly you think, well, hang on a minute. I'm not going to accept this anymore. This is utter bollocks. It's bullshit. The whole thing is bullshit. It, it, it is, but, and, but there and, are times. And then when you start, when you start to you know, open your eyes, and I hate that saying, you know, about being awakened and all the rest of it. But when you do start to open your eyes and look at these things, you suddenly go, well, hang on a minute, I've got an, an awful lot more power than I thought I had. And, and so what can I do about that? And how can how can that uh, impact me personally? And that's where I'm coming from, is is the personal side of things. We'll Helping come. people we'll to, uh, yeah, Sorry, but we'll, we'll, the, the, their, own, their own life. Sorry. No, on. no, we'll come to, um, we'll come to, because the big taxation, council tax and, and income tax, and you reckon... And and I know you're not advising people what to do. You've, you've you've spoken to me through the notes you sent me about the things that you might do or have done for yourself. So we'll come to that because this is, I think this is very important. Listen, if you're just joining us, we've got Bill on the line, not his real name. He is a lawyer who isn't practising at the moment, right? He has a law degree, worked in a medium-sized firm. He's also an entrepreneur. He's worked in hospitality and has run hotels. Okay, we might talk if we get a chance to talk about hotels and, and immigrants a bit later on. Um, so he had his own, Bill had his own experiences during uh, lockdown, uh, trying to keep a very successful business afloat, um, but eventually lost it to the bank. He's fighting that legally. He's in, he's in litigation uh, with the bank. Uh, also ended up losing his home. He's in rented accommodation now, uh, but he's back on his feet. He's uh, running his own business now and he's taking it on. He's taking the bank on. And he got in touch with me um, to talk about this, to say, look, there are things people can do. And you kind of dream, don't you? I'm, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. You, you can tell me, you can shoot me down and say, no, I'm, I'm misrepresenting you. But you, I suppose, and I do as well. I, I mean, I do dream whereby massive amounts of people do turn their backs and say, no, no, we won't comply. Uh, we won't comply with taxation without representation, without contract. We won't uh, comply with it. We won't pay the council tax because it is a futile, spurious tax. Why do you need to tax us if you can print money, uh, if you can invent money out of thin air, as you've said to me? Um, why do you need to do that? Uh, and these are the things. Now, I my better half pays the council tax. Um, she insists on it. Um, she's no shrinking violet. She's no coward. Um, she says, I, don't want, I want an easy life, Richie. So I'm going to do it. Um, we live in a band in Salford. It's it's one of the lowest bands. It's cheaper here than it is in most of the country. But it's still not not cheap over the year. It's more than a thousand pounds a year. For what? For nothing, is the answer. I know that it's nothing. It's it's outrageous that a you know a business can set up and call itself a local authority, um, and say like the the sheriff of Nottingham would have done a bill several hundred years ago. Uh, we're going to tax you just because you live here. And you're going to like it, um, and that's the end of it. So, so my better half pays it. I'm, I'm again. I'm not a tough guy. If I lived alone in my own property that I own, my own land, I would tell them to take a running jump, and I wouldn't pay it. And that's not tough talk. It's a fact. I just wouldn't pay it. They could go and scream for it. Um, 
it's a contentious one because there will be people listening to this saying, Richie, whatever Bill might say, and we'll hear you now in a moment, you'll get the floor again, of course. Whatever any other lawyer, either practising or not practising, whatever they say, there are deadly serious consequences for not paying your council tax, including the removal of your property. And um, it's, 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 it's serious trouble. And there'll be, look, I don't have the internet at the moment, I don't have the messages coming through the app, but I know there will be people saying, you know, this is not as easy as it might sound to turn your back on these local authorities. Now, you are not here to give legal advice to anybody, and I don't want anybody to say that Bill is, he isn't. We're talking hypothetically here, and Bill may or may not talk about something that he may or may not have done himself, right? Nobody's giving any advice here. On your own, um, he's just talking about other people's experiences. Do you know people who have said to the local authority, or not said to them, um, I don't recognise your, let's call it, authority to charge me £125 a month, therefore it's over, you ain't getting it anymore. And they're carrying on um, going about their business uh, as if nothing had happened. Is, is, is this possible, theoretically? Well, uh, no, not theoretically, absolutely. I've done it. I have done it. I have had refunds of all the council tax I've paid. Again, I'm not going to say anything here that I've not done myself. I'm not going to tell people to, you know, to to stand at the gate and defend, you know, defend the castle yeah. if I've not been there myself. I've done it. I have actually had it. Not only that, but my bank took so long to refund me that they actually sent me a letter apologizing and gate and sent me a check for 250 quid apologizing. And, I, and I, I said to you, Richie, I said, look, if, if there's any documents you need to see, I'll happily share them with you so you can see that I'm not making any of this up. But they, yeah, they sent me 250 quid because they messed it up. Um, so I've done it myself. Now, when I heard about this, uh, I, I first of all thought, oh, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. You know, people go to jail over not paying council tax, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There's all these things. But again, it just comes down to knowing the law. It's as simple as that. And when you ask the questions, this is not about being passive. This is about being active and asking the questions. So I mentioned earlier on, you have a thing called a notice of conditional acceptance. Well, you send the same letter or a similar letter to the council and say, look, more than happy to pay, provided you can answer the following questions. And if they don't answer those questions, then you are, you're perfectly entitled to not only not pay, but to reclaim whatever you have paid in error. And that's what I did. What are I the questions, Bill? What are the questions? Well, well, uh, that would be giving away the, the, the key to the castle. Uh, like I say, if people want to get in touch with me, I'll give out the email at the end. They can contact me. The, the, there's a lot of temp. I've got a lot of templates. I have a lot of stuff that actually works. And there are, there are lots of questions in there. But I'll give you a kind of a taster, I suppose. Um, a taster. Now, I did send this to you uh, earlier. Um, now, you mentioned about the International Criminal Court and you mentioned about crimes against humanity and that sort of thing um, earlier on in your preamble between 4 and 4.30. Do, do you remember that? Yeah. And you said, you said, well, I don't quite know the law. Well, one of the things that you can challenge the council, and, and this leads into to, to income tax and various other things, is you can challenge them under the International Criminal Court Act 2001, and it's part 5.5. Again, if you're listening to this, you don't need to write it down. Email me at the end and I'll send it out to you. But uh, crimes against humanity and war crimes. So it's an offence against the law of England and Wales for a person to commit genocide. I, I'm, I'm winging this at the moment. 
um, a crime against humanity or a war crime. And it's an offence against the law of England and Wales for a person to engage in conduct, and this is the key part, ancillary to an act to which this section applies. Now, the term ancillary refers to actions or behaviours that are related, supportive or incidental to a primary act or activity. And in the context of the legal provision mentioned, conduct ancillary involves actions connected to sup supplementary to the main act that is subject to the law. So conduct ancillary means to aid and to fund. So when they talk about, you, you were mentioning earlier on about certain individuals who'd been challenged under the Genocide Act, had they aided or funded what could be termed as crimes against humanity? So the question is, um, in, in what way have they aided and funded it? Well, if you're paying your income tax, if you're paying your council tax, there's a clear, distinct legal thread that shows that you are, in fact, aiding uh, crimes against humanity. So one of the questions, and there are several questions, but one of the questions you would say to the council is, are you involved in this? Of course, they can't answer it. They cannot say they are, because if they say they are, they're condemning themselves. So because they can't answer it, the easiest thing for them to do is to say, we consider this matter closed. They will never, ever, ever give you the, so don't be thinking you're going to get some kind of letter from them saying, ah, you know what, you're absolutely right, really sorry, didn't mean to do it. You're never going to get that. You're going to get the um, debt collector turning up, harassing you, and there are steps you can take to make sure they go away. But then eventually you'll get the letter saying, we now consider the matter closed. That's it. That's your victory. You're not going to get any other victory than that. So I hope that gives you one small snippet of, of the sort of thing that you can do. When, when listeners um, email you for this information, are they going to be charged for it? No, no, not at all. You're, 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 this not is a, benev a benevolent thing. I should have asked you that earlier on. Um, that's, yeah, not no, a, that, I mean, that's, that's not a gotcha okay. question. That's not a gotcha. I, I, I've got to ask that. No, no. No, because no, no. It's, they, they, it, they can send me the information. If, however, they want me to do something for them, then it depends on what they want me to do. And if some, I mean, I'm dealing with six or seven people at the moment that have asked me to do certain things and I've said, well, okay, it will cost you this. And they've said, that's fine. And it's not prohibitive. It's not ridiculous. I mean, it's, I'm not charging so, you know, 500 pounds an hour lawyers prices. I'm just saying, look, uh, for me to, to do this, um, there will be a, the, here, here's the charge, accept it or reject it. But I'm never going to, I'm never no, gonna, no, fair enough. But, it, but, but the, the templates with the, 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 I'm the never gonna, I'm never gonna, yeah, but the templates, cheers, I'll Bill. Send it out. Let, let me let yeah. me be, yeah, but but the templates, the the questions, the things they need to ask, you'll be providing that free of charge to our listeners. Absolutely, yeah, of course. Now yeah, here here's it. a question for you. Um, yeah. I, I I I was looking for ways where we could have a row today. I think we might have a row here. I say row by the way with tongue firmly in cheek. <laughs> we won't have a row. But listen, there was um there was an awful scurrilous gangster called Ken O'Keefe. Um, who who conned people out of thousands and thousands of pounds some years ago, with um, a monumental pile of old bollocks where he said, if you send me money, I will provide a legal remedy for avoiding paying taxes. And he said, mm. um, we'll, we'll base this on the idea that you can withhold your taxes 
um, because the taxes are, you know, are used to do illegal things. Again, this mm. is not this is not a gotcha moment. Um, you're yeah. a, a legal mind, so so O'Keefe had a, a one-page letter from a lawyer called Curtis Dobler, a well-known human rights lawyer or international lawyer. Anyway, I phoned yeah. up Dobler because O'Keefe is such a lawyer, and I said, "Did you tell Ken O'Keefe that a person can?" withhold their income taxes, not pay them, and be safe in the knowledge that they can do this because the the government in question is using that money to fund wars. And Dobler said, no, I did not say that to Ken O'Keefe. He said, what I said to O'Keefe was, yes, a person can go to court when they eventually end up in court because non-payment of um, income tax is a criminal matter. He said they can claim uh, this they can certainly try, but he said I wouldn't advise it because y- y- you know you're not likely to win. Uh, and even then he said you might even if you got a small victory, the small victory might be that a judge might say, well, we we could understand why you might withhold a portion of the overall bill, the portion mm-hmm. that you could determine was used to fund illegal activities. So you get what I'm saying? So this idea that you could say, well, income tax, I can withhold it because the government is doing... And we know it is, Bill. We know what the government is doing in Yemen. We know what it did in Syria. We know what it did in Libya. Of course people could say, well, why should I pay taxation when you're using it to build disgusting weapons of mass destruction? And then you're giving them, uh, you know, to head choppers in Syria and you're giving those weapons uh, to head choppers in, in, in Yemen. But Dobler said, I wouldn't answered. Um, what do you say to that? Okay, well, a couple of things. Um, first of all, th- there's different ways of paying tax. You've got indirect tax and you've got direct tax. And the indirect taxes are things like, you know, w- when you fill your car up with fuel, you're going to be paying fuel duty, and then you're going to be paying VAT on top of the fuel duty. You're getting taxed twice. That's right. So the, the £1.60 a litre um, actually costs about 50p, and the garage makes about a penny per litre. I mean, you know, those the, the, those are the, the numbers and a lot of it is in tax. So you've got these indirect taxes, which, you know, w- which they, they gather in. Then you've got the direct taxes such as income tax, stamp duty and so on. The income tax part, uh, and again, I've done it. The income tax part is you're either employed by someone or you are self-employed. Now, if you are employed by someone, then your employer has a contractual arrangement to deduct your tax and national insurance. So it's out of your control. You cannot go to your employer and say, I don't want to pay my tax anymore. They'll just basically tell you to get lost. But if you're self-employed, then again, it's a contract. So what does the contract say? What is the contract between you and HMRC? Is the contract to pay income tax? What is the contract to do? And I know many people, and again, I've done it myself, many people who um, don't fill in a tax return. So guess what happens? They get a fine. And then what happens after that? They get another fine. And they get another fine. They get another fine. What they want you to do is to fill in a tax return. Now, if you don't fill in the tax return, you say, well, I'm not playing anymore. And again, there's a template letter you can send them that says, I no longer wish to engage in this. Um, Then my experience and the experience of many others is that it is quietly dropped. Simple as that, quietly dropped. I have not paid income tax for five years. Hand on heart, haven't paid it. Did not come after me, did not chase me. Now, the public sector um, and, and the government are bringing in, and for the first time in 2023, they, they brought in one trillion pounds 
for the first time in history. One trillion. Yeah, you told me that in the notes. That. That's mental, isn't and it? That, when you think it, when you think that came from the House of Commons Library Tax Statistics, which was published on the fifth of June, trillion quid, of which two hundred and forty-nine billion came from income tax, one hundred and seventy-eight billion came from national insurance, one hundred and sixty from VAT, eighty-three from corporation tax, etc., etc., etc. And then there were other duties such as uh, stamp duty, inheritance tax capital gains tax, insurance premium tax, custom duties, car tax. I mean, tax, 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 everywhere you go. People say the tax rate in this country is, you know, 30, 40%. It's not, it's more like 75%. If you actually add it up, it's, it's like 75%. The government are taking 2.7 billion a day, 2.7 billion a day in tax, 116.95 million an hour. 1.9 million a, uh, a minute, 32,000 pounds a second. 1.9 million. Say, hang on, Bill. Hang on. Stay with this. 1.9 million a minute. So, so why are public services collapsing all over the country with the government taking? Exactly. Are you getting value for money? Do you feel you're getting value for money? No. No. Road schools? No, not, not at all. Not at all. Where is it now, going, Bill? Where's the money going then? Well, <laughs> 64 million dollar well, question. That, that, that's the question, isn't it? Where the hell is it going? I mean, um, Michelle Moon might have something to, to say about that, but yeah. that's another story. PPE, completely. yeah, um, the PPE queen, yeah. And that's the thing though, Richie, that's the thing is people are seeing that there seems to be a sort of 1% echelon of people, you know, that are at the top, if you like, and they are absolutely screwing everyone below them. And whether it's someone who's in the, I mean, you can see from the House of Commons, the, you know, the House of Lords or whatever, they get X amount of money per day. They can claim all their expenses. I mean, all the, the members of parliament during the whole lockdown, none of them, they talk about we're all in this together and we're suffering. No, you're not. Absolutely not. You're still getting paid and you're still claiming all your expenses. And it's the same in the House of Lords. We see them. You can go on television and watch them actually sleeping and picking up 600 pounds a day for falling asleep. And when you combine all those other things together, people just start to think, well, hang on a minute, what the hell am I doing here? This is just getting, this is getting ridiculous. Now, stat, uh, sorry, income tax is one thing. Let me tell you about stamp duty. Stamp duty raises about 16 billion a year in this country, in the United Kingdom. And there are groups of people in the United Kingdom who adopt strategies to mitigate the amounts they pay. And that saves or 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 let me let me just say the revenue doesn't get about 200 million so out of the 16 billion there's about 200 million that they don't get because people know how to do things now it's not about a loophole as such because you have a thing called a dota scheme which is a de declaration of tax avoidance it's not a dota scheme it's about people who understand how the system works understand the rules of the game and play the rules of the game now, many people say to me, oh, well, that's all very well because they're rich and they're wealthy and they can afford lawyers. And It doesn't matter. You don't need to be rich and wealthy to know this stuff. You just need to apply it. It's as simple as that. Now, the people who buy, who purchase property and do not pay stamp duty are um, mostly, you'll have seen adverts on the television for equity reliefs. You'll have seen these adverts. I'm sure they're very sinister, sinister ads, yeah. Yeah, they've got, they've got, have you, are you got a house? And yeah, it's usually people, they've got to be over 60 or over 55 right. or whatever the figure is. And, and you've got a house, it's worth a million quid. You've got no mortgage on it. Would you like to release the equity of your house and we'll give you half a million pounds? They'll always give you 50% loan to value. 
And then you can use that and then they show smiling couples on board a cruise ship and going on holiday and all sorts of things. Okay, And it's all very nice and, and wonderful. The, the company that buys that house doesn't pay any stamp duty because they use a particular system. And guess who else uses this system? MPs, peers in the House of Lords, sports stars. If you're, a, if you're playing for Arsenal and you've got to move and you suddenly get purchased by Manchester United and you sell your house in London and you buy a house in you know, in, in wherever it is, there's a, there's a village near Manchester where they all live. Do you think these guys pay stamp duty? Do you think they pay hundreds of thousands of pounds in stamp duty? They don't. And it's the same with diplomats. They don't because there's a way that you can do it. And it's a question of, well, what is that way? How do I find out about how that works? Now, I'm not here and I'm not going to say, well, everybody should do this tomorrow because, you know, they'll, they'll probably close it down or change the rules or something. But it's been around for 50 years, 50 years. And the people who know how it works keep quiet about it. And they'll just, you know, no one's going to, no one's ever going to go on telly and say, I can save you, stab you, because they'll get, they'll get shot down in flames. Absolutely. They're not going to happen. And it's the same with income tax. If you know, you know, if you understand and you put it into practice and you know, then if as long as it doesn't reach a critical mass, then it's going to be fine. So can I so just clarify something, Bill? Many of your listeners that are listening to this, you're going to have, let's let's say 100% of the people that are listening to this are nodding along and they're saying, this is a great idea, I'm going to do it. Guess what? 20% of people will do it. Not, not everyone's going to do it. 20% of people will do it. And of that 20%, maybe 5 or 10% will actually see it right through. Because like the parking tickets, they'll get a letter They'll, that, that will call them the Flanders pigeon murderer and they have to stop and they'll go, oh, you know what, I'm going to stop this. And usually, usually it's where you have a household where you've got, you know, a husband and wife or whoever it happens to be, whatever the, whatever the dynamics of the family are, there'll be one person that wants to do it and there'll be one person that doesn't want to do it. You mentioned Caroline earlier. Yeah, who's a lioness, by the way, who's got the courage win. to she burn. Yeah, but, but she, she, she can't be... You will pay. Yeah, I, I don't... Um, I, I I totally understand those who do have the means, and I'm not talking about us, but I totally get why they, you know, anything for an easy life, I get that. But can I just clarify one thing? Um, before I do clarify it, again, if you're late to the porté this afternoon, it's 27 and a half minutes past the hour of five o'clock, that's UK time, you're listening to Bill Not Real Name, a lawyer not currently practising, um, worked for some years in a medium-sized firm on everything, conveyancing, corporate law, intellectual property, litigation, private trusts. He's an entrepreneur, has run several businesses, some of them successful businesses, very successful with very high uh, turnovers. He's had his own problems with banks and um, with, um, with, with, uh, with law and has been looking into these things in the last uh, few years in particular and says there are ways legally to, you know, stick it to the system, to the man, and not comply with uh, taxation. And he's been laying some of these out. Now, in around about um, 15 minutes' time, 20 minutes when our time runs out, Bill will provide you with an email address. And if you want to get this information, you know, the templates, the things you can use to correspond with local authorities and HMRC, Bill will send them to you. As I said, uh, lawyer, legal brain, law degree, but Bill not uh, his real name. Listen, we, we, we know 
that income tax avoidance or evasion is a criminal matter and it can result in a jail term. So can I just ask you to clarify something for me? So you said you said quite rightly and quite fairly that if you're a PAYE taxpayer, namely that you work for a company and the company takes it out of your wages before you even get your wages, there's very little you can do. But if you're self-employed and you file a return every year, can I just clarify... When you engage with HMRC and you say the game is over, are you saying effectively to HMRC, I don't have any contract with you. There is no contract between us. There is no existing agreement between us. Therefore, I won't be sending you any more money. Is that the root of it, effectively? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the gist. I mean, how they do it is they send you a tax return and they ask you to sign and send the tax return. So when you talk about tax evasion or or, or tax avoidance or however you uh, want to couch it. What they're doing is they're getting you, they're hanging you by, and, and Caroline will get this, they're hanging you by the, your own petard because you're sending in a tax return that's saying, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the next thing. Yeah. And you're signing it, sending it in. Well, if you don't sign it and don't send it back, what are they going to do? That's the question. What are they going to do? You'll get a tax return, fill it in if you want, don't sign it, send it back and see what happens. Can I ask you a question on that, Bill? Can I ask you a question? Well, yeah. what, 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 let, let's, let, let's um, again, let's put um, a theoretical, a hypothetical, a hypothetical case out there. So the Richie Allen Show isn't a limited company. I operate as mm-hmm. a sole trader, right? Um, I don't know why that is, but that's the way it is. And I have an accountant who, who um, is based in Manchester. And what I do... Now, you'll know this. This is meat and potatoes for you, but for some of our listeners, they might not know if they're not self-employed. This is how it works. My, I send the spreadsheets from my bank account or the bank account that's associated with the Richie Allen Show. And I send that stuff to my accountant and we, he, he figures out what came into the show, you know, to support the show and what I had to spend um, to keep the show on the road effectively and they subtract that and they come up with this is how much you earned and then these are the tax rates and this is your tax bill and I send that to HMRC. So my accountant says, well, Richie, this is what you owe. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Happy days. Now, next year, okay, so I've already paid for the last tax year. Uh, I think it was a couple of grand, I think, the bill or just under a couple of grand. Anyway, so next year, if I decide... My lovely accountant, Stephen, if I say to Stephen, Stephen, I'm not sending you any spreadsheets now. I can't be arsed with this anymore. What I would expect to happen there is, is somebody at HMRC says, that Richie Allen show fella, um, for the last 10 years, he's filed a tax return. He hasn't. Let's audit him. They might do that. What do I do then? Well, in your circumstances, because of your uh, profile. And that's so high a profile, but yeah. I imagine you know you're the you're the tall poppy uh, that they might go after to make an example of. So uh, I, I dare say you and I'll have to have a discussion off air as to how that how that works out, and I'm more than happy to do that. But for the majority of people that are listening to this, um, they're not going to be they're not sticking their head above the parapet, and they're probably not going to see the the full force uh, of the law. Now, when it says full force of the law, there are a number of things that you can do. There are a number of letters you can write. There are a number of things that you can cite and you can say, well, uh, you know, provided you show me this or you show me that, I'm more than willing. I am absolutely more than willing to pay my tax, but I just need to get the following guidance or I need to have the following assurance. And there are assurances that they will not be able to give you. 
So where are they going to go with this? Well, again, it's going to come down to the same thing with the letters where, you know, the, 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 the council writes you a letter, calls you the Flanders pigeon murderer and tells you to pay your parking ticket. And you basically stick two fingers up and say, well, I'm not paying it. So then they send you a nastier one and a nastier one and a nastier one. Well, you have to have the fortitude to be able to stand up and say, look, I don't care what you're saying. I don't care that your letters are written in red. I don't care that two idiots have turned up at my door threatening me with stuff. You still haven't answered the basic question. Answer the basic questions and I'll more than happily comply. Now, if it gets to the stage where it goes to court, and it's highly unlikely it will, because how can you go to court when you've offered to pay and you've offered to do this and you've offered to do that, but they've never come back to you? How are they going to go to court? Yeah, interesting. And the answer is they rely, they rely on the fact that most people, the majority of people, will give in. They will just go, do you know what? This is too much. It's too much hassle. I'm just going to give in. And I was one of those people. I had you know, people turning up at my door when this was all happening. I had a guy turn up at my door and he flashed a letter at me and it was all very, you know, uh, in red and bits and pieces and all this. And I invited him in and I said, look, have a, cup, have a cup of tea. How can I fix this? I said to him. And he was, he said to me, oh, well, you know, you need to do this, need to do the next thing. I feel such an idiot now because if I told him basically to piss off, there's not an awful lot he could have done. And that's what I've learned yeah. is once you know what the law is and you quote the law back to them. So when you get debt collectors turning up, let's, First of all, a debt collector is, is what's known in law as an interloper, unless he has the official documentation. If he doesn't have the official documentation, he's an interloper. Now, an interloper has no more right to turn up at your door and demand money from you than the janitor of McDonald's. Right. Imagine the guy turning up in his McDonald's, Ronald McDonald's outfit and saying, excuse me, you owe me 1,500 quid. You'd look at him and you'd quite rightly tell him to piss off. Now, they have the same legal standing as debt collectors because what debt collectors do is they buy the debt. So if you have a utility company and you owe, let's say, a thousand pounds, the debt collector that turns up at your door has probably paid 200 quid for that bill and they want you to pay the thousand. And they say, We've been instructed, we're acting on behalf of, they give you all the words, you've got to look at the wording of how it's done. You know, we act on behalf of, we have been instructed by, okay, they have to have a, a specific legal document in order to turn up an act. And once you know what that document is and you tell them and you ask them to show it and they can't show it, they'll get very upset, but at the end of the day, they have to go away. Now, if they do turn up, here's what happens to most people, is they turn up at the door, they say, excuse me, you owe ABC utility company a thousand pounds and we're here to collect. And most people go, yeah, well, I do owe it, but I can't pay it. So then they will ask you and say, well, let's do an income and an expenditure sheet and let's try and help you to solve this and let's help you get out of your, you know, get out of the challenge. That's the standard answer to everything. You get any book on the subject, it's all about income and expenditure. What can you afford? Cut out Sky, cut out this, cut out the next thing, live in on a tin of beans for 10 years and your credit score will be back to where it was before and you will have paid your debt. That's that's what they rely on happening. But if you turn around and say, well, actually, hang on a second. You've purchased this debt. You've paid 200 quid for this debt. So tell me why I should pay you. They, they don't have an answer to it. They do not have an answer. They are interlopers. But what they try and do is trick you into saying, um, well, okay, 
Mr. Allen, Richie Allen, you owe a thousand pounds. Um, but I tell you what, can you pay a tenner a month? And you might say, well, actually, yes, of course I can afford a tenner a month. Well, I'll tell you what, you pay us ten pounds a month and this will all go away. You'll get no more visits, you'll get no more calls, you'll get no more texts. The matter will be dealt with. As soon as you enter into that agreement to pay ten pounds a month, they've got you. You're screwed. They've yeah. got you. Yeah. You're screwed. You're screwed. Yeah. So just don't tell them to piss off. Absolutely. It's funny. Can I just can I just can I just kind of confirm that with a story that I told a long time ago? Very quick one. Our, our listeners might not remember me telling it because it was years ago when I when I started this program back in uh, 2014. At the very beginning, I didn't have much money, so I took unemployment assistance for a few weeks. Just a few weeks. That's all it was. And then um, support started coming into the show. So I obviously came off unemployment assistance and that was fine. Six months later, I received a letter from the local authority saying that there was some clerical mistake when I received unemployment assistance and that they had given me a weekly allowance that was more than they should have given me and that there was a few hundred quid owed. I thought this was hilarious. And, you know, I phoned them up and I said, listen, can you imagine walking into a shop and buying a sandwich for one pound and sixty pence? And then you walk out and the shopkeeper runs after you and says, by the way, I should have charged you 190 for that. And you've eaten the sandwich. Now, some people would be, you know, inclined to say, well, all right, then here's the extra 30p. But other people like me, who think that people should pay for their mistakes, right, would say, well, tough shit, mm -hmm. tough shit, Paddy. You know, I had the money, you know, I was, I was paying you for it. So I told them, listen, go on and take a running jump. And this is like 10 years ago. And uh, funnily enough, they did show up. These idiots showed up, you know, two guys showed up from a, a firm called Equita. And they said, we're here. And I pretty much did what, what you said. I was polite the first time. The second time they came, I wasn't so polite. And by the way, you're right. Nobody should ever threaten violence, ever. I don't threaten it. I imply it without threatening it, is what I do. You know, I let them know, listen, this is private. Don't come back here again. You've been told once. Once is enough, you know. But I made that point to them. I said, you, um, you're an idiot. Your company is foolish to believe some authority telling you that, you know, that they were owed money. And then they sold that to you. I said, you're, you're crazy. You know, the idea that I would fork out and give you any money. And they went away. You are absolutely spot on in what you were saying. It just takes a little bit of fortitude. That's what it takes. Yep. It takes a little bit of gumption, you know, to tell these people, listen, you're an idiot. You're, you're a fool. Did your company really buy a debt? But did you even check that the debt was legitimate? No, you didn't. Well, your company is an idiot. And if you're working for them, well, that doesn't say too much about you either. So piss off, get off of my porch. And they do. They do yep. because they've nowhere to go. It's a good point. This. Yep. Yeah, a very good point you're making. And people should keep this in mind. I, w I would never and give any advice to anybody, unless I was sure. When it's a civil matter, when it's some parking ticket, now if you've got dozens of parking tickets, you're an idiot. But if it's one, or if it's a you drove in a bus lane, tell these declarations, I don't know who you are, I've no business with mm. you, get off my lawn, you know, and don't come back here again. And they, they, they generally do, because you, the smartest thing anybody said to me this week on this radio show is what you said earlier, Bill. They work on the game of probabilities. They work on... A, a, what would you call it? They work on an algorithm. 80% of people will capitulate and they will pay. They don't tend to waste too much time when they realise that you're not going to play ball. They go, right, we haven't caught that fish. We'll piss off and we'll go uh, to somebody else's front door. And that's worth keeping in mind, isn't it? That's very important. Oh, very much so. Very much so. I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, we haven't, there's a loop that we haven't closed here, which is about the, um, 
uh, I've got the law in front of me, which is Rights of Entry, Gas and Electricity Boards Act, uh, about how people can uh, enforce these um, smart meters and things. We'll, we'll touch on that in a minute, but just to finish off with a bit about a bailiff or or or, or a debt collector. Yeah, but we've only board. got about nine minutes now, so keep that in mind, okay, right? Well, not not that we won't I'll do be, a I'll follow up anyway, but go no, on. No, no, I'll be I'll be brief. I'll be brief um, because the guys turned up at the door, and this is now why I'm now desperate for them to turn up again, but they won't. But I'm really wanting them to turn up again. And, you know, go one step further. When these people turn up at your door, don't you realise, or, or I hope people will start to realise, you can actually invoice them. If they do something wrong, you can send them a fee schedule and you can invoice them. Now, there was a case recently, and it was the 21st of December just last year, so this is hot off the press, where a debt collector was taken to task by someone that had been harassed and was the debt collectors were ordered to pay the person for pounds four thousand pounds for harassment wow so you can invoice these people you can simply say well look you know what i've told you several times not to turn up here you continue to harass me therefore here is my fee schedule and i am now going to invoice you and and i have at the moment as we speak i've got several thousand pounds worth of invoices outstanding that i will be pursuing through the courts in in my own manner but when they turn up at the door you want to find out, are they certified or registered? And you say to them, well, are you a bailiff or an enforcement officer? Right. What's your full name and address? Who instructed you? Did your company buy the debt? Does the man or woman at this dwelling have a contract with you? Do you have a copy of the contract? Do you have the, is your name on the warrant? Did you attend the court? What's the magistrate's name? Do you have a copy of the warrant? Does the warrant have a signature? Do you have valid liability insurance? Show me a copy. Are you registered with the Information Commissioner's Office? Now, when I asked this guy, he pulled out his phone and he, he started looking at his phone. I said, excuse me, is your phone a work phone or a personal phone? And he went, well, what's that got to do with anything? I said, well, if it's a personal phone, then under GDPR, you're breaking the law by having my personal details on it. And he went, are you some kind of lawyer? I said, yes, I am, actually. And then I said, I'm going to ask you three times to leave. If you don't, it's trespassing and harassment, which is a criminal offence. And debt collectors have no legal business with me unless by prior arrangement. The only person, Richie, the only person that can turn up at your door without permission, the only person, is the postman. That's it. No one else. Anybody else turns up at your door, they have to have permission. If they, if they cannot demonstrate that there's a contract in place between the parties, us and them, then they cannot demonstrate or claim that they've ever lent us anything. At no time did they ever uh, possess the original redeemable security instrument. And they are therefore viewed in law as an interloper or a third party without any legal standing. That is it. End of end of conversation. Case closed. It's as simple as that. It's the old school ground bully thing, isn't it? When it is. When they are. It really is, isn't it? And and this is true. I mean, I, I went to, you know, a rough and tumble primary school in the Great Ballybeg in Waterford. But when you gave the bully a few slaps back. Yeah, the bully was better. It was a better fighter. And some bullies were not, you know, they did. But after a while, the bully got pissed off. Bullies, I can't, there's no point in me hitting him because he's going to hit back. So I'll go and look at a softer target. Yeah. That's it. They pick on someone else. That's they'll exactly go for somebody they else. Someone yeah. else. And guess what? They'll pick on someone else. I, I'm quite friendly with a lot of bailiffs now because I started talking to them. High court bailiffs, various others. I, I chat with them and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And Quite a lot of them are very interested in what I'm doing because they know that it could one day affect them. So I have them, I wouldn't say on speed dial, but I've got their numbers and I can talk to them. That's bailiffs in England and uh, sheriff officers in Scotland. I've spoken to loads of them 
and I've confirmed all of this. So I'm not saying anything that you know that's that's theory. This is actually practical stuff that you can take that can help you. Now, just to close off, because I know we've probably only got about five minutes left, but just to close off the earlier point where you talked about um, utility companies turning up at your door and and what can they do? Well, there is, um, it's called the Rights of Entry Gas and Electricity Boards Act 1954. Yes, it's still valid. And parts of it were repealed in 2006 by the Gas Act, but uh, they will look to, the, 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 that's the act that they tend to look at to get a warrant from the magistrate's court or whatever to enter a property to disconnect uh, uh, an electricity or a gas supply. They need to have a warrant to authorise entry. Now, I know there's been recent changes in the law where British Gas made a mess of it last year and they've now changed it and there are now certain conditions that they have to adopt. But the fact still remains that they have to have uh, a warrant to authorise entry. And a problem with the Act is it's limited in scope and there is no higher court authority on how the Act is to be interpreted and applied. So what they will say is that it has to be, um, uh, the warrant might be granted if it's if it's reasonably required to permit entry to disconnect a gas or electricity supply. However, there is no guidance on the interpretation of, of reasonably required and what steps a magistrate needs to take to be satisfied. and. Um, a, a, a gas or electricity supply cannot be disconnected where an amount is genuinely disputed between the parties. But again, there is no guidance as to what may amount to a genuine dispute. So the answer is to dispute your bills, dispute the meter reading as being uncalibrated and therefore not accurate. You need to write to the company that sends you the bill. They're not the supplier. They are merely accountants. They might call themselves Octopus, Eon, British Gas, all the rest of it. They don't actually supply anything. They are accountants. And all they do is take a note of what they think you may have used. So when you dispute these bills and you dispute the meter reading as being uncalibrated and therefore not accurate, you write to the company that sends you the bill and you ask them and you have to specifically send them, uh, it's like a freedom of information or a data subject access. And you say specifically, I require billing data and entry consumption for the past three years, as well as copies of certification for the meters installed at my property. Now, if they cannot provide that, then they cannot they cannot enforce anything. I mean, my case, uh, uh, my electricity meter was fitted by Midlands Electricity. In 1999, it was sold to NPower. Then it was sold to PowerGen and then Eon. And then I got billed by British Gas. So when I wrote them and I asked them, I got nothing, silence. It took me three, four, five attempts to get a reply that I had to send by recorded delivery. And then they finally confirmed to me that they did not own the meter. Now, if they didn't own the meter, what do they try and do? They try and get to a position where they can install a smart meter. And if you look at the television, I think it says, oh, a smart meter. And they've got a guy like Albert Einstein that's up there saying it's the best thing to do. Yeah. It's the smart thing to do. No, absolutely not. It's the worst thing to do. The reason it's the worst thing to do is they cannot cut you off. But if they install a smart meter and they switch that smart meter to, to prepaid only and you don't prepay, you cut yourself off. That's where they get you. That was the whole point That's of the prepayment correct. meters. Absolutely right. Correct. correct. Yeah. And that is that is shocking. Now, what I've done is I have worked with a number of people who've purchased their own meter. They've had their own meter fitted. And then they have the old meter in a box, bubble wrapped. And if somebody wants to turn up and get it, they can hand it back to them. They've purchased, well, hang on, Bill, they've purchased an analog meter, haven't they? You told me an old analog. You can, yeah. 
No, you can you can put there's various different types. You can get the little the little uh, white ones that are 100 amp single phase digital refurbished meters. You can buy them. They're about 17 quid. You know, they're, they're, they're less than 20 quid. And get an electrician to put meter, it in. The old analog disc meter is about 12 quid. The, the, the challenge is getting an electrician to fit it legally, properly and safely, which is about 65 quid. Now, there are people out there that will do it, but they'll charge four or five hundred pounds. But you can get it done for about 65 pounds. And if you do that, then you have uh, you cannot steal or you're not meant to steal electricity, as they say, steal. And I'm holding my fingers up and doing inverted commas. Um, you can send readings and carry on paying. But lo and behold, my readings conveniently add up to about 20 pounds a month. I'm free from fluctuations in the market and they can't cut me off. It's as simple as that. So you avoid the smart readers. They're not very smart because they pick up readings from other properties. And I know this because I've spoken to landlords who've got identical properties. And in one case, he's got uh, properties that he rents out. They're all occupied by young families, two adults, two children. And lo and behold, the ones with smart meters are 15 to 20% higher amazing, than yeah. the other properties because the smart meter acts on Wi-Fi. So it picks up it picks up signals from, you know, if, if your next door neighbor puts their dryer on, the smart meter is going to pick it up. You know, it's it's Bill, utterly, I, I utterly ridiculous. I, I suggest that in the spring we do another one of these in the spring and when when we do it we'll be in a better position we'll be able to take comments and questions from listeners. I know this is the most ridiculous this is a weird day this because Today, as much as any other day, I would have been absolutely inundated with comments and questions. So, so it's a shame that we couldn't do that. So, so let's do it in the early spring, right? And we'll do a proper um, full show. We'll take questions from listeners. Now, in the meantime, just before we do say goodbye today, you did say that listeners could email you, that you would give them a fact sheet with the various questions and the, and the templates. Would you like to give us the email address? And I'll write it down and I will include it on the podcast notes as well. I will put the email address on the notes. So go ahead, Bill. What's the uh, email address? Yeah, absolutely. Also, just before I give you the email address, let me just say the one major thing that's helped uh, the people that I'm dealing with is that they have gone from a, uh, from a position of fearing a knock at the door to one of confidence and, and a, an ability to sleep at night. So they now know that they have the, uh, the, the wherewithal, they've got the, the, say the template, but they've got the script that they can read from. And that sense of empowerment uh, has been worth more. And that's, uh, I'm going to shout out to Maria, who's probably listening to this, Maria in Edinburgh, who said that to me. She said that was the main thing for her, is it wasn't so much all the other bits and pieces, but it was the, it was the fact that she now felt that she had power restored and she did not fear a knock at the door anymore. So that was the main thing. Brilliant. So the email address is uh, quite simply, it's called keepatom uh, at gmail.com. Now keepatom is K-E-E-P-A-T-E-M, keep at M, keepatom. For those of you that are in, into horse racing, it actually was a horse. There was a horse called keepatom. I don't know how, how it did very well, but anyway, uh, keepatom at gmail.com. And I will send links and suggestions of where you can get more information um, and how you could, you know, start to, to look after your own circumstances and not and not be afraid and not be a victim anymore. Simple as that. Keep at them. K-E-E-P-A-T-E-M at gmail.com. There's an education, there Bill. And I will send you a link. Educational. Thanks so much for reaching out to us and for giving us your time. I really appreciate it. I will put that email address on the podcast notes, as I said I would. And uh, I look forward to speaking again. Thanks, Bill. Enjoy the rest of your uh, Wednesday evening, mate. Thanks a lot.
You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And bye for now. Thanks, Bill. Uh, just to reiterate, Bill is a lawyer not practising at the moment, OK? Um, worked in a medium-sized law firm for years in conveyancing, litigation, private trusts, intellectual property and litigation. Left it. He's an entrepreneur. He's running uh, businesses now. Uh, had a difficult time with a particular business that was turning over a lot of money in the lockdown. And that's when he began to look into this stuff because even though he had a law degree and had worked in the law, he wasn't aware of um, of his rights and the remedies that are available to people when dealing with companies, with bailiffs, with uh, HMRC um, and all of that. So, so thanks to him. That email address again is uh, keepatom at gmail.com. That's keep, K-E-E-P, K-E-E-P, right? A-T-E-M, keepatom at gmail.com. As I said, it'll be on uh, the podcast notes. Really gutted that today, of all days, we've had a problem with the internet, uh, with our website. Uh, There hasn't been a problem with uh, the Richie Allen Show website for a long time. Um, There's a DNS issue with it. Um, it's resolving itself, I'm told, by uh, by my my pal Hayden Hewitt, who 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 is not looking after the website these days because he's got enough on his own plate. But he he did jump in, so that was uh, pretty kind of him. So thank you if you happen to be listening, Hayden. I don't think he is, but thanks for doing it. So the website will be online. As far as the website goes, I want to make a big change. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, to be honest. I really don't. You know, I have a lot to do now. You know, I'm preparing a podcast in. The AM, which goes out Monday to Friday. I'm producing the Richie Allen Show, of course, the live show, which you're listening to right now, and the melodies. I don't have time to be putting articles on richieallen.co.uk. I just don't. I don't know what to do with the website. I'm racking my brains. But I'll figure it out. I mean, there will need to be a website for the show, a page or something. But what will be available on it, I just don't know. Okay? I am encouraging people more and more, because it is free... It was developed by Broadcast Radio. We are completely and utterly transparent. When you download the Richie Allen Show app, we are not collecting your data. We are not processing your data. We don't give a shit about your data. We don't want to know who you are. Not interested in who you are. Downloading our app is as safe as you can possibly be. I'm asking people to download the app and to use it. It's a very, very simple, very functional app, right? And uh, you can get it via Google Play or you can get it via uh, the Apple Store, Apple's own app store, right? You get me? And uh, you can send a message to the studio very simply, but you very easily then click on to the live show. So I want to push people to the app anyway, but what's going to happen to the website, I just don't know. Uh, 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 Bill made the point earlier. Uh, This is a one-man gig, the Richie Allen Show. And uh, I, I am not boasting or bragging. Jesus, I'm not. But um, because of the success of it, people imagine that there's a team here. There isn't a team. There's just me. Honest to God. Honest engine. I produce it. I spend hours and hours and hours um, reading and writing and emailing and researching before coming on air at four o'clock. It is me and me alone. I don't have time to look after the website or to put content on it. And a number of people come to me all the time through, uh, you know, email or Richie Oil. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. People all, oh, Richie, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll put articles on the website, but I don't know these people. I don't know who they are. 
and uh, it's not something I'm willing to entertain to be honest right thank you so much to Bill our lawyer friend for that incredibly interesting and thought provoking uh, 90 minutes we're back tomorrow Uh, the podcast will be on air tomorrow the papers will be on early online the live show of course will be on air tomorrow at 4 o'clock UK time that's the live show enjoy the rest of your Wednesday I'm going now to have a non-alcoholic beer that is my lot these days bye (laughs) 